You're listening to a sermon from Midtown Presbyterian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about Midtown and its ministry, please visit us at midtownpres.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you, Tom. And it is just so hard to believe that the year has come to a close. 2024 is tomorrow. It feels like 2020 was just yesterday. It is just flying by. Um, and with and with the New Year's Eve being today and all, um, it's a day that people across the country, across the world, will begin to make resolutions um, and to reflect on the past year. Um, and I, I'm not immune to that. Um, uh, as I've been leading up to the new year, I've just been thinking about the year that we've had, um, the ups and downs that it has been for all of us, but I've, I've been reflecting um, for myself. Um, some of you might know that um, one, one thing that happened um, this year for myself is that my grandpa passed. Um, he was 91. He lived a long life. Um, he was a, a wonderful grandfather, great father, um, and it, w- it was difficult for, um, to process his, um, his death because he, he wasn't a believer. And so this year has been a lot of me trying to understand um, what I do with that, um, trying to understand my faith in light of that. Um, but I, it, in processing um, this grief um, that I, I've been handling, um, I've also had gotten to reflect on the really sweet memories I got to make with my grandpa. Um, I had a really... Um, I had a really unstable childhood, and for me, my grandparents, they were that stable line throughout just a wobbly childhood. Um, I spent every single summer with them. My, my mom I, would put me on an airplane. Back in the day when kids could fly on airplanes alone, my mom would stick me on an airplane, and my grandpa would pick me up from the airport, um, and I'd spend my entire summer with him, and they are some of the best and sweetest memories I have of him. Um, and as I was preparing um, our, um, our message for today, um, I was reminded of something of my grandpa, and he was an incredible gardener. Oh, my goodness. He, um, he, they lived in Southern California in Riverside, and um, he, you step outside, a beautiful, beautiful home. I was incredibly privileged to get to spend my summers here. But you step out into the backyard, and it was off of a lake. And the, the backyard went here, there's a pool here, and then it kind of dipped so that as you're standing here, you, it just looks like ground here and then lake. And it is just, it was beautiful. Um, and he had every beautiful flower growing, um, you could imagine. He had every citrus tree. He was a huge grapefruit fan, and so he grew his own grapefruit, had a grapefruit every morning. It's probably how he got to be 91, is a grapefruit every morning. Um, and then on the side of the house, he had a wonderful garden. He grew his own tomatoes, eggplants. Best eggplant parmesan of my life is from his eggplants. Um, he made, he grew strawberries and made the best strawberry jam, um, and it was just I could, all this delicious food that I got to um, have because my grandpa was just an amazing gardener, uh, which he did not pass to me, which I, I I'm only a tiny bit bitter about, but that's okay. Um, but a, a trademark um, to his garden is along the brick wall. He had this beautiful vine that just took over the entire brick wall. There was not an inch of brick you could see anymore. And I, I, like, I remember when he planted it and just like over the years seeing it grow. Um, but then when I was about, I think I was about 10 or 11, I came for the summer and it was gone. 
Um, and he, the, he, California had experienced, is experiencing a terrible drought, and um, and the vine just got sick and it couldn't, it couldn't survive, and he, he had to tear the whole thing out, and he was just devastated. It was such a beautiful um, marker of his garden, um, and I, and I was thinking about that as I, as I prepared, um, and. The, the scripture passage that we have for us this morning, it might be familiar to some of us, um, it might be new-ish to some of us, uh, but this beautiful picture that Jesus uses to, des- um, to describe um, abiding in him and the use of this vine. So we're going to be reading from John 15 this morning. Um, if you want to follow along with me, um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The words will be behind us on the screen, but I'm going to be reading from John 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you may bear much fruit and become my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that... um, our lives are a continual process of learning what it means for, our, for us to abide in you and to always grapple with the mystery that it is that you choose to abide within us, God. Um, as we enter into a new year, um, God, would you um, draw us closer to you in learning how, um, how we might do this and live our lives out for you, God. It's in your name we pray, amen. So what I really want um, to talk about this morning is what does it mean to be healthy in the Christian life, and how can we lean into that through this passage? I think that uh, we, can, we can do that by breaking down the Christian vocation. Vocation meaning um, not just like the, the work that you do, which it does include that, but vocation meaning a strong feeling of suitability for a particular work. So our Christian vocation of our... Our, our suitability for this Christian life through this work. Um, and we talk about these three things um, a lot here at Midtown. They're part of our mission. But our Christian vocation looks like this. It looks like being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, which is to bless the world. And that's really what we're getting at here in, in this text. Um, Jesus says first, he says, be with me before all else. And in verse 5, he says, abide in, in him because he is the true vine. He's the true source, the true power um, that yields true fruit. 
Another way that um, an, a, Jesus uses this wonderful vine analogy in the branches, but another analogy that's really um, stuck out to me over the years that some of you might be familiar with is the airplane oxygen mask analogy. That um, as you're on an airplane um, and the, the flight attendant is given the whole spiel and the, the, you know, the mask drop, what, what is it they say? They say that you need to put on your mask first before you put on the mask, uh, if you're traveling with others, before helping others. Because the, the fact is, is if you don't have oxygen and you're not breathing, you, you can't help others. And so what Jesus is saying here is that in order to bless the world, to become like him, you've got to be connected to that true source. You can't do it yourself. And so we need to be able to put on our own oxygen mask, be, be connected to the true vine in order to become more like him and to bless others. The gospel, gospel tells us that remaining in God's love, um, remain, um, another word that maybe some of your translations might use for abide, um, but that remaining in God's love is something that we get to do with joy. And we receive, um, it's not something that we have to perform to get, but that abiding and this joy is not something we perform for or earn. It is something that is freely given, which is a mystery beyond mysteries. Uh, the key word uh, for us in this, in this text um, was, uh, is abide or remain. Jesus actually uses it 11 times throughout um, chapter 15. So he's pointing us to this, really wanting to make it clear that this, this act of abiding is really key. It's really important. That it means that we are not pursuing, but we are resting. We're resting, and, and it is there available, and it is there for us. And, and Jesus is trying to make it clear to us, what, this, is, this is an important thing. I am saying this. I want you to hear me. Uh, Fleming Rutledge um, said this quote, there's a fashion today for exhorting us to live into various things, live into our baptism, live into our calling, live into our mission. I think that's a very 21st century humanist, do-it-yourself way of speaking. We don't live into the vine, who is the life of the church and of each Christian. The vine lives into us. We live from the vine, from the word of God, from the body and the blood of Christ, from the tireless work of the Spirit, new every morning. So Jesus is pointing us to this abiding nature, not because it's something for us, but it is something that God is living in to us, that we live out from, that, that we abide because he is the true source, the true vine, the oxygen for us to breathe that we might live out. God never tells you either to build your relationship with him based on how you feel about him, but God says, I want you to remain in how I feel about you. Because the thing about God is that God's love is unchanging, it is constant, it is permanent. Whereas we, in our humanness, um, we, we kind of do a, a sort of this kind of a waiver. And so God is inviting us that even when we feel here, that we could still meet God who is constant in here. And what that does in us is it changes us. Um, it the act of coming into the presence of God, even when we're here, um, into God's permanent, unchanging, sta stable love for us. Um, it does something in us. It is impossible to be with Jesus and for change to not take place um, 
And so for the second part of that vocation, that's how we go from being with Jesus that we can become like Jesus. And he doesn't only say, I'm with you, but he takes it the step further saying that I'm within you. God not only desires to be with us, but God desires to be in us. And the invitation to the Christian life is not about obeying God's external rules and guidelines and being completely focused on behavior modification, which are New Year's resolutions. Those are behavior modifications. <laughs> um, but it's actually an invitation for the living God to inhabit you. Not just to know God or know about God, but to fully acknowledge that God is living within you and remaining in you, and that that is a place that you can remain in as well. So if you're a follower of Jesus, um, let's be clear on what we've signed up for. We've signed up for the living God to live inside of us. We signed up for the God of the resurrection to live inside of us, that the things that we die to the God of the resurrection lives within us because the same spirit who was at creation that breathed life into creation lives within us and can breathe life within to us as well. The spirit empowers us to walk after the ways of God because the Christian life does not rely on, on you or your willpower, but on the power of, the, the, of God. The spirit over time will then bear Christ-like fruit in our lives. But in order to bear fruit, um, you must find yourself abiding in the right vine, the true vine. Jesus then begins to exhort his followers by saying to choose the right vine. He says that I am the true vine, which implies that there are false vines. To say that he is the true vine would, would say that there are false vines. That might mean other claims, other frameworks, um, other philosophies um, that maybe people tend to attach themselves to. But Jesus says, I, I am the true vine. Choose me. And there's a constant temptation um, to attach ourselves to the wrong things if we're being honest with ourselves. I know for myself that is the truth. But Jesus is saying to be very careful about what it is you give yourself to, about what you're remaining in, what is it that you're abiding in, and what you belong to. Because the false vine might say things like, if you, if you give your whole life to this thing, if you give your whole life to your work, to your family, to your career, then, then you'll get the real joy. That's, where, that's what real joy is, right? That's what the false vine wants um, to say to us. But, but if we're honest, we know that that doesn't quite work that way, right? Most false vines are not bad within themselves, but they're bad vines when we seek to derive all of life's meaning from them. Some examples um, might be the vine of family. If I, if I give all my life to my family, then I will be, that, that is where I will be so joyful. Or the vine of marriage, that man, if I, if I could just find somebody and we could get married, then I will, that will be, that is my life's goal. Or children or kids or your career or social belonging, the vine of pleasure, the vine of possessions, the vine of independence, the vine of recognition. We could go on and on and on about these false things that we could find ourselves attaching ourselves to and seeking all of our meaning, all of our source of life, all, all of our joy, everything 
we've, we might find ourselves attaching ourselves to these things. And we do it often without even really paying attention to it. Thinking that if I just give myself to this, then I, I know that this is what's going to bring me happiness. So the question for us today is, do we know what our source is? What power have you latched onto in an attempt to derive your life from? Do you know what fruit you're hoping to see in your life? Meaning, what, what kind of results are you hoping for? And are you hoping for a certain fruit, and so you've attached yourself to the wrong lifeline in hopes to get it? Be careful of what you attach yourself to, because when you're attached to the wrong things, you won't see the fruit that you're hoping for, but we'll be stuck in a place of disillusionment where, as Scripture tells us, we'll find ourselves withered and burned up. Uh, verse 4 said this, um, just to reread. Verse 4 said, Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So how do we live this out? Because burnout is, is real. Um, I can confidently say, based on the mm-hmm over here, that a number of us in this room have experienced burnout. Um, a 2022 survey of 15,000 workers across 15 countries found that 76% of employees experience burnout symptoms and that they agreed that workplace stress affects mental health and are on a path of burning out um, as, uh, while answering that. So it's a whole survey dedicated to the proof that attaching ourselves to the wrong vine will do nothing but burn us out. Because nothing can come, no good true fruit can come unless we remain into the true vine. We might get temporary fruit that might taste good in the moment, the, the feeling of recognition or the, the love we feel from our loved ones, great things, but also just not the true fruit of what God provides. And so this takes, an act, it takes us having an active role in our formation. We can't passively expect to fall in love with Jesus, but we have to prioritize it. Just as I love my husband, I have to prioritize time with him because I love him because I can't just passively expect that things will be great. Um, I, have to, I have to ask him how he's doing. I have to spend time with him. I can't just be his roommate and expect all to be well. Um, but we, all, we also must prioritize um, Jesus in this same way. We need renewal and we need rest, connection to the source of life. And so it takes intentionality in all areas of our life. Um, we might think that we can kind of box it in um, and we can focus in if I just do that, if I could just wake up in the morning, get my scripture reading out of the way, then I'll go on with the rest of my day. But this actually takes an intentionality of abiding with with God in all areas of our life. And it takes building habits so that even when we don't feel like it, even when we're right here, we can still show up and be present with a God who is here always. Even in our wavering, he is here. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I'm going to get practical um, and give us some practical tips for us. Um, if, if you've been around Midtown, maybe you've heard us talk about the rule of life before, but I think this is a really important and 
helpful tool for us to learn how to abide, um, learn to practice this. Um. So one of the things that people might negatively associate with Christianity is that there are these perceived rules that exist. And many of these rules lead to constraint and legalism, which just squeezes just the, the absolute joy out of us. So associating uh, the Christian faith with rules seems counterintuitive. But there's a spirit, this spiritual formation of de developing a rule of life um, that's not actually meant to constrain us, but it actually liberates us. Um, it's a rule that has the purpose of infusing joy rather than squeezing it out. Uh, the rule of life, it actually finds roots um, in the men and women who withdrew from society as hermits to the deserts of Egypt and Syria during the 3rd to 5th centuries uh, to seek God after the emperor had made Christianity illegal in the Roman Empire. They wanted to free themselves from the, the worldliness found both inside and outside the church, and they wanted to truly find God and thus bring him to both the church and the world. And so they formed these communities and organized their daily life around agreed-upon plans consisting of work and prayer and scripture, um, and they call this the rule of life. Again, please don't be intimidated by the word rule. Um, the word here actually comes from um, a word of, of meaning trellis. Um, and if you don't know what a trellis is, um, it's this structure that helps um, a grapevine to get up off the ground. It is the very thing that helped my grandpa's beautiful vine get up and grow across his brick wall. Um, but it helps it to grow upward and that it might be more fruitful. Um, and that's exactly what a rule of life is. It's a tool for us to use um, that it might help us to grow upward and to be more fruitful. The rule of life is a trellis, and it helps us to abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. Um, it's been said that um, the rule of life is an exterior framework for an interior journey. It's a kind of scaffolding to use to build the spiritual structure of our individual life with God. And what it is, is it's an intentional plan um, to keep God at the center of everything we do. It, um, and it has a unique combination of spiritual practices um, to give us direction, to, in, to intentionally pay attention and to remember God in all that we do. And so the goal in the rule of life is to keep God at the center. Um, the early church in Acts 2, they gathered around the rule of life um, with um, particular practices that enable them to prefer the love of Christ above all things. Um, on a personal level, however, few people have a conscious plan for developing their spiritual lives. Most Christians are not intentional, but rather function kind of like cars on autopilot. We have an unconscious way that we develop our spiritual lives which might include reading the Bible in the morning, um, attending church once a week, going to your community group. Um, maybe it includes giving some money, praying at dinner, but all wonderful things, but not centered around a plan. Because we are, for the most part, passive and not intentional. So the, the invitation here for us is to intentionally take one step to develop your own personal rule of life. Um, and the key to this is intentionality. So you might be thinking, okay, Gabby, you've described history of rule of life. I don't quite understand what it is, though. So I have up for us, Chris, if you want to pop up, I have my own rule of life so that you can have an idea of what exactly it is I'm talking about. So it is a, a working document. Um, and every rule of life will look different. Um, it'll be based on where you're at in life, 
um, what your schedule is like, if you're a night owl or if you're a morning person, if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert. But this is just an example just to get kind of an idea of what this thing means. So I've got a daily, weekly, monthly, and annual on the side, and then I've got different sections of how I live these things out. Some of these blocks might be the same for you. Some of them might be different. Um, again, it all is just dependent upon, upon your life. But the whole goal of this thing is to find ways to bring God into every aspect of your life. Because you might be thinking, how, how do I bring God into a daily physical routine for myself? How, how is taking vitamins, eating three meals a day, and drinking water a spiritual practice, Gabby? Well, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> I am a hangry person. I, <laughs> I also am somebody who does not drink enough water or take my vitamins. And when I don't do those things, I am not a pleasant person to be around. And when I'm not a pleasant person to be around, people don't want to be around me. <laughs> including my family and, um, and also others. And so if I take care of my body daily, it enables me to have a clear mind to come before God um, in my prayer and in my scripture. And, but it also enables me to love others well because when I'm hangry, I am not loving other people as well. So that's just an example. And so it might seem like some of these things don't feel very spiritual, but this is, it's a very holistic, rounded, rounded out way to put God at the center of all that you do. Um, and we also have a handout for the rule of life. Um, it came out in your email this week. If you did not get that, I'd be happy to send it out. But also, if you just want to talk about how to build this, how to do it, I'd be happy to sit um, with anyone and try and figure them out. But this is something that you want to very prayerfully um, work on, um, whether it be with um, the people who live in your home with you, whether it's just for yourself, but um, something to prayerfully do. So maybe this could be something for us to practice for our New Year's um, Eve. It might be a fun thing to include. Um, Reverend Dr. Margaret Gunther said um, this about the rule. She said, a good rule can set us free to be our true and best selves. It's a working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should support us, but never constrict us. So um, I, I invite all of you guys to, to work on this, to make, build this practice in for ourselves that we might have an intentional plan of how we might um, abide and remain with God. Um, so a few, a, a few tips I have is just to start small and simple. There's a real temptation to build an overly ambitious rule of life. Um, I did not have, um, you know, every single day a day of solitude as much as the introvert in me would have loved that. But um, I had to be realistic about the way, about what my life allows, the fact that I've got kids and work and things, and, but being realistic and not overly ambitious with the things we include, which takes some reflecting on what your, um, what your daily life looks like. And to remember that this is a working document and that you can always add more if you find that you have more time to include more. Um, again, to take into your account, the, take into account your stage of life. The rule of life of parents of a newborn is going to look totally different than the rule of life of those who are retired. It's going to look different, and that's okay. Um, and to be flexible. Um, this is trial and error. If you find that something's not working, take it out. This is trial and error, um, and feel free to experiment with what works best for you. 
And to be specific um, in your practices. Um, don't just write in, daily, I'm going to rest more. But maybe be specific with it and put, on, Sabbath, uh, on Sundays, I'm going to Sabbath. Because that specificity will help you to really let your rule of life be something that you can live from. And to include spiritual practices such as Sabbath, scripture, prayer, silence, and solitude. To give yourself um, time for slow development of what works best for you. And to be careful that um, this spiritual discipline um, does not become something like, oh, I have to do this. Because if, if at any moment something you've put into your rule of life feels like a, I have to do this, throw it out. Because the rule of life is meant to bring joy. That Jesus said that my joy may be complete in you. God wants us to focus on him and to be with him. He says, abide in me. He repeats it. Abide in me and I abide in you. Each day is a collection of 86,400 seconds. How many of those can we live with God? Start where you are, stick in your trellis, and grow from there. Because God wants to be with you in every moment. Would you pray with me?